Those are the guys that need to hear about this. And that's what I wanted in this podcast. I want us to bring down to the guy with one truck or even the guy that don't even own a truck. He's just a driver. He drives for American Van Lines or somebody and, you know, it's their truck, it's their trailer, and he's gone all day. That guy matters. Welcome to the first edition of the Pro Miles podcast featuring my partner, Tony Strongcheck. Tony, what have we got ourselves into and what in the world are we doing? I really don't know, Stephen. I'm, I'm very nervous. I mean, I can get in front of people and talk with this podcast stuff, man. I don't know. We're going to have to try it really hard because I don't want to sound like an idiot to people. I've never seen you nervous in my life. The Pro Miles podcast featuring Tony Strongcheck. What are we all about? Yes, there's a lot of trucking podcasts out there. This particular podcast will focus on issues near and dear to Mr. Tony Strongcheck's heart, which is basically just about anything in truck transport. We're talking oversized, overweight permitting, trip and fuel permits, hazardous permits, truck route navigation, fuel prices, fuel optimization, IFTA, IRP. Tony, we're going to cover it all over the next couple of years. Oh, man, I sure hope we cover a lot. And hopefully we get a lot of our friends to come. You know, those folks that work for the DOTs, the guys that are actually out there doing the enforcement, IFTA and IRP commissioners talking about how things are going to go to a mile tax. All these pieces are things that are going to change every one of us in trucking. And so it's up to us today to go find these little nuggets out there, open them up and start showing everybody what's really changing in this world. Because trucking is not like trucking was 30 years ago when I got involved, involved in trucking and started doing this, you know, at the age of 19, man, things have changed a lot. Just like with the fact that the customer base of ProMiles is so diverse, we have Many of our customers, both on the government side and the trucking side, that are, are almost exclusively involved in the movement of oversized, overweight loads and trip and fuel permits and such. Some of our podcasts we will advertise ahead of time very clearly will be focused on that particular topic. For example, we know you folks like to hear from the state DOT officials from California to Illinois to New York. And as Tony indicated, we'll be bringing you several of those guests, as well as legendary folks from the specialized transportation business, the leaders and presidents and owners of these carriers, getting their perspectives as well. But basically providing all of you folks the latest updates from state to state, from country to country, so that for those particular podcasts, you can focus in and we can focus in on best practices and tips for moving oversized overweight loads, permitting, trip and fuel, those types of things. Um, so but, but before we cover this particular podcast uh, topic, Tony, um, your history and ProMiles history, first on the oversized load and the permitting aspect. Well, uh, if you want to start talking about that, that piece, we, in 1989, uh, we had a division um, called Owens Associates, and uh, we created another division called Road Legal that did state permitting, fuel taxes, and all that stuff. That was all back in 1989. But soon thereafter, we started realizing regulatory compliance wasn't fun. 
it's a lot of work. It's a lot of information, a lot to comprehend. And so I want to do something a lot cooler, to be honest with you. I said, you know, let's quit doing fuel tax. And why don't we go out there and build this cool mapping routing system and try to route these trucks. And if you can remember back to 1989, there wasn't any routing systems. There was nothing out there to really help these truckers inside that cab know where to go from point A to point B. They brought up their old Rand McNally Atlas is what they did or their state DOT map. And that's what they kind of followed. And th that data back in 89 and 90, it really sucked. The data that the government had to deliver to all of us was so out of date, wrong. They don't know where all the bridges are actually located at. They don't even know what the heights are. And so once we really got into the mapping, we started realizing that the regulatory compliance into this is where we really need to stick. And so at that point, we decided to go ahead and start working with jurisdictions of asking them, what do you need in a routing solution? What do you need to make sure these fleets and everybody are in compliance? But the one group, Stephen, I don't want to forget about throughout all of this is the driver. Okay. I don't care how smart our CEO, CEOs are running these fleets, the presence, the marketing, the sales, it all comes down to that guy driving that truck, moving the load from point A to point B and doing it safely and doing it, you know, without any kind of issues or problems or accidents, but to get to that destination on time or ahead of time, you know, to do this regulations around permitting is just, there's so much regulations. So for any driver to really understand the beginning and end of this whole process, that's where the challenge is. And we can sit there and we can move paper back here at the office, but to move a 250,000 pound load safely throughout a city across the country, Dude, that that's fun. That is what my partner finally said. I'm having a lot of fun doing this mapping and routing because I can route them load up to two million pounds now through our routing system. And that's what we call specialized transportation. And again, we'll be focusing entire podcast on that particular subject, again, with state DOT officials and law enforcement officials from all the key states that you all want to hear from in the coming weeks and months. But today, for part one podcast, we're going to focus on the many other aspects of the trucking industry that ProMiles focuses on, truck navigation, IFTA, IRP, fuel pricing, fuel optimization, truck stops, those types of things. And that's where we're going to focus today. But before we do that, Tony, because this is our first podcast, tell us briefly the crazy, interesting story of Tony Strongcheck and ProMiles. <laughs> all I can tell you is it all started in 89 on St. Patrick's Day when I went to New York City and drank a little bit too many Heineken's. Got back to the college dorm, uh, fell asleep, uh, woke up a week later in the hospital with 38 bones broken in my body. At that point, my life changed. Uh, the doctors told me I'd never walk again. The doctor said that, uh, you know, he's probably have to amputate my left leg. Um, during the uh, 18 hours worth of surgeries, uh, not only did they rebuild my leg, but they restructured my face. And so for you folks that don't have the uh, privilege to see me on screen at the moment, uh, I'm a sexy looking guy. So the guy that worked on my nose did a hell of a job. I look a lot better now than I did before I went out the building. But you know, the, the key there is, is you can do anything you want to in life, anything. I don't care what it is. You can be a doctor. You could be the president. Look at the presidents we've had. We could be a president. Okay. I know that. I also know that if we wanted to, we can change this industry. And that was my focus in 1989 was to do something different and to do things that never were done before and to prove people wrong. It was not only, I would say, 
30 days, 60 days, something like that into after my accident that not only did I start walking, I wobbled. Within about two months later, I could run with a wobble. So you can do anything. You know, you just have to set your mind to it. And when I saw the fragmentation of transportation when it comes to one state versus the other, how do we bring these together? How do we make this state and this state communicate and know what each other's going to do so that when they do issue permits or they do regulation changes, they understand the needs of those fleets coming across that border? So in the long run, every day in this business, we learn something new. So for the last 32 years, we listened a lot. We listened to drivers. We listened to fleets. We listened to law enforcement. You know, we've listened to the state DOT representatives that we work with, the guys that manage and put these permits and everything together, the guys that determine what routes you can and cannot take depending on the commodity. All this information is out there. The problem is it's very difficult to find. We had to go out and actually pull municipal code back in the late 80s, early 90s from not only the state, but all the cities, the counties, even little townships and villages that had the information available, we had to go capture this. Municipal code is text. There's not a lot of maps. There's not, here's a map, here's what's restricted. No, you have to read thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of documentation that number one, is probably out of date. Number two, may not be that correct. But it was the basis for us back in the late 80s, early 90s to build the most complex routing solution ever. We have more data attributes on our road segments than anybody else in this country. Why? Because we work both public and private sector both. By working with the governments, we can help educate them what does the fleets need? What are they looking for? And on the flip side, we can also tell the fleets, what's the government expecting out of this? What do you need from the government? And we'll be that conduit between the industry and the government to make sure that we understand and that we educate the listeners out there and let them understand how in the world do you get that load from point A to point B safely, accurately, and make damn sure that you don't hit nobody, that you don't hit a bridge, that, that you don't cause an accident that takes someone's life. When you're in an 18-wheeler and you've got a full load, even at a legal 80,000 gross weight, you've got a bomb. That is the biggest bomb you could ever imagine driving. Could you imagine sitting there and getting nailed in the rear of your car with an 18-wheeler at 80,000 pounds? It's going to take you and everybody in front of you hundreds and hundreds of feet down the road. It takes a while for that equipment to slow down and stop. So it is very dangerous driving trucks. And the industry needs to understand that it takes somebody very unique to be able to drive that truck and do it right. Not everybody yeah, is you, meant to you, be a trucker. You and your staff, which includes some former professional truck drivers, you think about that, don't you? Almost every day, almost every week, you and your developers are constantly thinking about that bomb that, 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 that you spoke of. Walk us through those early days. What was you and Tim's vision when you first started out? Uh, just to get away from fuel tax and try to get into something really fun. And we thought maps were it. Mm -hmm. But the challenges were getting the data, making sure the data is accurate. You know how scary it is that we are routing millions and millions of loads every year with our technology. What scares me more than ever is what if the information I got from the jurisdiction was wrong? What if that overpass wasn't 15 feet, but 14 and a half feet? Now, I just suggested to a driver to drive down that path and hit a bridge because I didn't have the right information. So this not only takes us 
and the government, but this takes the industry. We are looking for feedback. We just now, over this last year, launched our nationwide oversized overweight routing solution. Now, what this is going to do, it connects all these state systems together so that we know that this is how Colorado wants to route you. Here's how California wants to do it. Here's Kansas. Here's Nevada. And then we put it all together so easily with a couple of clicks, we will route you across that and give you what we say is the most practical, most optimized route to take. But the challenge with this is things are going to change. And through the years, the way we got our data better was we listened to drivers. We went after that guy with one to five trucks. That's 98% of the market right there. We went to them and said, all right, you guys drive these roads. You're not a dispatcher. You're not back at the office. I want to know what you think about our routing. I want to know what you think about where we take you and we don't take you. And trust me, for years, we got phone calls almost every day. Why are you taking me down this road? I don't like that road. That road is too bumpy. It's got too many potholes and everything else. And when I'm hauling glass, that is not a place you want to drive down. So I want to detour. I want to go around this. But if you listen to these folks, you'll understand what they go through each day. And all we try to do is find solutions. So it didn't happen day one. It didn't happen day two. It happened every day. Every day we turned around, we added a feature, we added functionality, we corrected, we updated things based on, we had 500 drivers say, this is the best route we want to take. Then we'll take our technology and force it to go down that route. The other thing that's important here to understand, we are now routing as of the first quarter next year, we will have over 50% of all permits out there for oversized overweight and some trip and fuel and a bunch of others. We are processing on behalf of those DOTs. So we're connected directly to them. So if they go into the system and they click on a road segment and they add an attribute or a restriction to that segment, every permit they've had issued that's going to go across that gets rerouted and reissued immediately. Okay. We know the day that they click and they make that modification in the system, we start taking that information in effect right then. You know, we don't wait to validate. We don't wait six months or a year to do another map build. No, this is real time. Not only that, there's situations where these states are building new roads in our system. They can draw and build those roads out. But again, it's the connectivity. It's bringing all these pieces together into one thing to say, hey, I'm going to help make better decisions for you. I'll help you quote. I'll help you route. I'll help you even do route surveys we're working on. There's so much that can be done. But the most important part of this was in 32 years, I still feel we're not perfect. We still have a lot of things we not need to make better. But I will tell you, I never dreamed 32 years ago where this industry be at today. I always knew autonomous vehicles were coming. I always knew electricity was going to take over some things and, you know, drive a Tesla. You know, you're going to have electric. You got charging stations to deal with. This is a major complexity that we're going to have to figure out because guess what? If you're not burning fuel, how does the states get their money for the taxes? I mean, right now they're not even making enough money collecting tax. So the yeah. challenge is, before, is it never changes. Before we move off of truck routing, you've heard me before in my history with the Illinois Department of Transportation. Sorry about that, Stephen. I had to have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> of course you had to have a drink. In my history of Illinois Department of Transportation, the Specialized Carriers and Rigging Association, and you've heard me complain about this. It's been so frustrating for me, Tony, over the years to see truck routing apps and software out there that advertise to the trucking industry, hey, this is 
This is who you need to follow to ensure that you're on the proper truck routes or such. But why, Tony, so many times over the years, and it's getting better, both, you know, not obviously for us, but, you know, some of our competitors, but why for so many years were there so many quote-unquote truck routing systems and software out there that really didn't route trucks? Well, and Stephen, the big thing there is, you know, there's been many that's came and gone uh, over the last 32 years. More coming about today than they ever have because collecting map data for cars uh, is not as hard as it was for the U.S. Census Bureau and us and everybody else to hand draw these maps out years ago. Because you got to understand, the way we did this is we took DOT maps, cut them in 12-inch squares, and this was back in 91, 92, and we would literally have a digitizing tablet plugged into our computer, and that tablet had a little pin to it. So you take the little pin, you could click on an intersection on the tablet on the map, you look at the screen, and we built a technology so the map's on the screen, you then use your mouse, click on the screen where it's at. You click the next intersection, you do the same thing. Then after that, you take and put a bunch of dots to follow that road. And we would draw those roads out. And then we would look at the distance the map claimed it was. If we were off, let's say half a mile, all we have to do is take one of those points, adjust it just slightly to recalculate. Now it's a half a mile. So we took a lot of time and a lot of years putting this together. Technology is getting better. You got Google, you got Apple, you got Microsoft, uh, you got MapQuest, you got these, you know, products out there designed for the consumer, right? Well, your truck, my truck, my car, my van, they all can go different places. So what you've got to understand is, you know, these consumer mapping products do a really good job today mapping people out, showing you where the roads are at. So now that the world's kind of figured out where all the roads are, now the trick is the attributes. What can or cannot travel on that road? Can you take a right turn there or not? Are you going to have enough room to curve around? You know, is there a roundabout you're going to have to go around? Uh, is there a height, width, weight? Is there other restrictions that might uh, hinder you from being able to take that route? But I will tell you, there was several that have hit the market through the years that very quickly, they didn't last. And why? Because they are out there promoting. And for most cases, these guys are staying on interstates. They're staying on major routes. So to them, it seems like the app's working good until... You say, I want to go to Fairview, Tennessee. There is 20 locations in Tennessee with the same name, Fairview. Now, I'll tell you, in the state of Tennessee, and it's not just Tennessee folks that do this. A lot of states will have more than one city with the same name. The difference is, is you hook it back to the postal service. So you think, okay, I'm going to use the city Fairview that has a postal number, a zip code, because they're bigger, you know. But guess what? The warehouse you have to pick up a drop off at? It ain't in a zip-coded location. It's back out in the boonies. That's where they produce this at. So you have to know which county that Fairview's in to pick the right one. Or you're going to be routing yourself all the way across the state of Tennessee and have to route yourself all the way back when you find out you ended up at the wrong spot. So it's accuracy. It is getting out there to the industry and not only listening to what the paper says, what the municipal code says, but listening to what the drivers are saying is reality. That's the key is get enough guys out there, enough fleets using the technology that can pinpoint the issues, not only that pro miles may have, but the issues that we've collected, you know, from doing this research and the data we're collecting is not right. That's why we chose back in the late nineties, early two thousands to go help the DOTs to go give them technology to manage these attributes themselves. 
so they can go click and they can change things. They had, nobody's ever had this kind of technology at the DOTs before. They guessed at a lot of things. They took these big maps and they would open them up and they would hand calculate these things. And sometimes it would take days to figure this out. And again, mm-hmm. it's a human being doing this. Nothing against them. But some of these big loads, if you don't just are perfect, you can end up causing this permit to go out. And now that driver is hitting an overpass because you made a mistake. So what did we do? We took non-automation that the industry had for years and automated it. How? We took the data from the DOTs. We took mapping data from the world and we overlaid it. And then by doing that, we started adding all these attributes. But what we found was we need to go to the horse's mouth, the DOTs. DOT, if you want these people to route certain ways and go certain ways, you need to tell us. You need to educate us what your desire is on these moves. And then we'll configure the system to do what you want it to do. The other thing that we really big in is most of these states that we do this for, we also help them with their 511s. That's road construction, road closures, and things like that, that we have to keep up by the day. So every day we get updates from jurisdictions. We implement those updates into the system that we know are going to take effect tomorrow. That way we're ahead of the schedule. No other routing or mileage package in the industry can do anything like this. And speaking of drivers, you mentioned earlier, I'm so looking forward, Tony. Future podcast, as you hinted at, we're going to be bringing professional drivers onto the podcast, and I'm looking forward to watching them interact with you. And they discuss from their perspective, you discuss from your uh, perspective. But uh, before we leave the topic, um, another subject of great interest to drivers these days and all carriers is fuel. Yes. Fuel has played a huge, huge part in ProMiles uh, history over the years. Tell us about it. Well, back in the uh, mid-90s, as we started deploying our application to the IFTA and IRP jurisdictions for them to use to audit your, your fuel tax and your mile tax and those kind of things, um, we started you know, really looking at how can we simplify this process? And by the way, I just lost every train of thought I had just went right out my ear. So um, that never happens. But uh, but 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 those of us that know, you know, a new one just filled the gap. right <laughs> it, behind it, it did. And uh, I probably shouldn't talk about that one. But the key is, Stephen, is, you know, the complexity of doing this, it isn't easy. It's very time consuming, cost us millions and millions of dollars every year. But we still have a long ways to go. We have to educate the DOTs. We've got to educate the drivers, the fleets, and somehow get them all to understand the same theme, the same methodology. And if you can do this, it takes time. But that fuel that you were missing, fuel is always or has been over the last many years up to the number one expense for a trucking company. And as you can see right now, fuel is anywhere between, you know, $3.50 to almost $7 a gallon. Okay. And when you look at trucks getting an average about seven miles to the gallon nowadays, it doesn't take, you know, too much math to know that, oh my gosh, these guys are buying a lot of fuel. Well, what's complex with the fuel tax out there is when you go to a, to a truck stop and you pump your you know, tank of fuel, when you look at that, there's multiple taxes that you're charged. You're charged a federal tax. You're charged a state tax. You're also, in some cases, charged a county tax, a city tax, and some cases even what they call a cleanup fee. And what that is, is let's say they had an accident where an oil spill happened in a jurisdiction. Uh, The jurisdiction calls out, get a group to come in. They clean up the oil spill, dig up the dirt, haul it off, bring new dirt in, do everything they have to do. And they spent $150,000 
cleaning this mess up. Now, at this point, for them to recover that money, uh, unless they can get it directly from the fleet and what caused the accident, a lot of times they'll add what they call a cleanup fee. Could be a tenth of a penny. Could be a penny a gallon. But they're going to leave it out there until they collect enough of that money to pay back that investment that they, that investment they made in that cleanup. So fuel is very complex, and it's just going to get more complex. Um, the one thing you look at is if you can know every truck stop on your route before you go, and if you knew what all their fuel prices were, you can make a much better determination of, I want to stop here and fuel. I also know they have a Wendy's, so I'm going to have a good burger there while I'm there. And they've got a game room. So I got three hours to blow anyway on my rest. I'm going to go play some video games or I'm going to go take a shower, do my laundry, uh, look up for that next load. You know, truck stops are the home away from home for those truckers. But the thing that those truckers hate is that pumping that fuel. Because every time they pump every gallon, that's money going right out. And as that fuel price goes up, then their fees have to go up. Now you've got to argue with the shipper over what should I charge? Why should I charge this? So you've got things like fuel surcharges, like fuelsurchargeindex.org that we've got that takes, builds the route, takes every truck stop on that route, takes the average of all those added together, divided up and says, well, that's the average price of fuel on that route. That is what your surcharge should be based off of. Not a national average that's over 400 truck stops, not a, you know, a pad, which may just be California, you know, no, this is reality. This is what you ran. This is what the fuel really cost. Yes, Mr. Shipper, I cannot control my fuel, the fuel cost. I can't. I don't own the fuel companies. I don't own the truck stops. I can control my drivers, what I pay my drivers. I can kind of control insurance and a few other things that are pretty static. But because fuel goes up and down every single day, and sometimes it'll go up 15 cents, drop 15 cents, that's going to make a big change. So if you do your fuel surcharge on a Monday when DOE announces here's the magic number, well, three days later, what if fuel goes up? The carrier loses. What if your fuel goes down? The shipper loses. So at the end of the day, you need numbers daily and you need them route specific. And what we have done is we have over 19,000 diesel locations on our database. And there's close to about 6,000 major truck stops that are big truck stops. Your trucks can pull in, your trucks can pull out, they have parking spaces and everything else. But to collect this data, it's taken us years to get the connections. So as people swipe that fuel card, I'm getting a snapshot. Those truck stops are sending me that data direct through API. We're also going to the website, scraping the data. Why? Because fuel, you need to know. You need to know before you get there that, hey, truck stop across the street still 10 cents cheaper. You know, why stop where you're going to stop? Go across the street and save that 10 cents. So fuel is just Tony, tremendous. Yeah. Speaking of IFTA, I'm very excited to have you share with our listeners some very special guests that we're going to feature throughout the year, several visits. You know, in, in the industry I come from, trade associations, some carriers are able to afford to send their executives to these conferences, but you're always thinking about the driver and the owner operators. And those guys, with the exception probably of Matt's, and even then, they don't have the time to get to these conferences throughout the year. So one of the things I'm so excited about Pro Miles podcast featuring you, Tony Strongcheck, is we're going to bring the same information that 
is delivered at these national meetings and those types of things, we're going to bring them right to this podcast. Tell our listeners, Tony, about our special guests we're going to feature throughout the year from from IFTA. Well, you've got uh, the main guy that runs all of IFTA Incorporated, uh, Carmen, uh, and we've also got Rick LaRose uh, that worked for us for several years that is now uh, Carmen's sidekick. And, you know, things are changing around the fuel tax world. If you haven't heard you know, the state of Connecticut is going to be the first state to implement a mile tax over the last 35 years. OK, uh, if anything, 35 years ago, they were trying to get rid of mile taxes and go just to a fuel tax. Well, they realized they were they were wrong and we don't make enough money off of fuel to be able to you know, compensate the amount of money that's going to need to cover all the repairs, the bridge repairs, the new builds, everything else. It's just too much. So what's been happening over the last probably 20 years was they've been trying to find a way to collect money based on the miles that you've actually moved. So if you ran a lot of miles, let's say you do 150,000 miles a year, the next guy only does 100,000 miles a year. Well, you've used those roads up a lot more than he did. The thing in the past is, well, we can catch it on fuel. They gotta buy fuel, you know? But imagine you got 300 gallon tank capacity in that truck, 150 gallon tank on both sides. You're getting seven miles of the gallon. So 300 gallons, at seven miles, that's 2,100 miles. You could literally drive across Texas and New Mexico and even Arizona without buying fuel. So, but you use the roads. So the complexity of this has been with IFT and them, how do we do this and be fair to the drivers and be fair to the government? And so what they finally came to is we need to come up with a nationwide mile tax. We need a way to track every mile that everybody moves and then come back and basically bill you based on what you did. And so I think it's a fair method to do, but man, it's going to be complicated. How do you get the data? How do you process the data? How do you put it in? Well, IFTA has been working on this for a long time. They've been waiting for the industry to accept these changes. And because electronic vehicles, uh, natural gas, and all these other kind of vehicle powered units are being built out there, it's taking away our fuel tax. It's taking away all that money, but you're still moving across the roads. You're still wearing those roads out. And so in my mind, You've got to really understand that one day you're going to be taxed for every mile you move. So IFTA is coming up with better ways to do this. They're trying to come up with ways to make it very simple for taxpayers to file their taxes. So there's a whole lot coming, but I'm going to leave a lot of that up to Carmen and uh, mm -hmm. and Rick uh, to tell you guys kind of what's going on, because you want to hear it from the horse's mouth. And that's, I think, one of our biggest problems that we have today in this industry You've got the big fleets, you've got these big state associations, American Truck Association, OIDA, all these groups out there, SNRA, that are fighting for their people, right? But at the end of the day, does those people listen and do they have contacts with Carmen and Rick? More than likely, they don't, you know, because they're at the top. They're dealing with an auditor or somebody else. So if we could take from the top of the government and go to the top of the industry, that's great. But we're missing the biggest piece. That's the drivers. That's those guys down at the bottom. The guys that are making all this stuff work. Those are the guys that need to hear about this. And that's what I wanted in this podcast. I want us to bring down to the guy with one truck or even the guy that don't even own a truck. He's just a driver. He drives for American Van Lines or somebody and, you know, mm -hmm. it's their truck, it's their trailer and he's gone all day. That guy matters. Why? Because I don't want that guy killing me or my family driving down the road. I don't want to see this guy out of work because he has no way to pay for his fuel. 
You know, I want to try to help the industry to grow. I always told myself back in the 90s when we did this, that it was the owner operator. It was that one truck operation that kept our stuff moving, even through COVID and everything else. You know who moved more? It's those owner operators because they had to. They had to survive where a lot of the fleets, you know, they're losing business. So they're laying drivers off. People were moving. Things have to change. But the only way they're going to change is with knowledge. And we have to take all this information that we all are hearing and we understand Federal Motor Carrier Association is doing certain things. The DOTs are doing certain things. The IFTA is doing certain things. We need to bring in all this information and then deliver it back out to the listeners in an easy way that they can understand of what's about to change in their life. And for them so to whether, have a voice as well to tell Carmen and Rick and other ones, what do they expect? What, what are the heartaches that they're thinking of that maybe Rick and Carmen aren't? So whether it's Carmen and Rick, the top dogs, as you said, in their world, or the head of the Illinois DOT permitting or California or someone from Federal Highway Administration or FMCSA, uh, our goal, uh, as you just said, Tony, is to bring the latest information from them and their associations that many of you in the audience, drivers and otherwise, may not have the time during the normal course of the week and such to hear you're going to hear those updates. And just as importantly, you and I just talked with Carmen and Rick last a couple of weeks ago when we um, came up with this exclusive arrangement where they're going to make periodic uh, appearances on the Pro Miles podcast. They're looking forward, aren't they, Tony, to hearing from our audience? Oh, they the are. Drivers. They are. The blue collar folks. It's not only them, it's also the service bureaus, the people that help you get your mm -hmm. fuel taxes done, help you do your bookkeeping, your back office stuff. You've got, you know, the shippers, the receivers. Everybody will benefit with the knowledge uh, because the last thing any of us needs is to wake up one morning and realize things have changed and now I can't be competitive. Things have changed and I should have done things six months ago to prepare. That's the goal here. Trucking industry at, you know, at the beginning, the first 25 years I was in this, I always said it's the slowest industry I've ever, ever knew that can move so slow. But over the last 10 years, it sped way up and the the government has put in trillions of dollars into our infrastructure, which is going to make this even that much better. But you know what they're looking for? Accuracy. They're looking for better maps. They're looking for better routes. They want to make sure that all these states are doing things similar so it can all come together. Our goal, again, is to bring in those people to help explain this from their point of view. And also, I want those drivers to call in. I want to have different folks on here that can speak their opinion. We've got you know, hundreds of service bureaus that have been using us for fuel taxes for years. We're going to bring them in with Carmen and, and Rick and them so that they can educate, hey, service bureau, this is a, well, you should look at this. This is how you should be able to take care of your carers. And is there anything you want to speak about? And sure enough, I guarantee in Arizona, there's several service bureaus that will raise their hand very quickly and go, look, we got a problem because we in Arizona do this different than any other state. How do we affect this? How do we deal with this? These holiday taxes. These are great things. I mean, but guess what? It really screws it all up when New York decided to, hey, we're going to give you back some of your money you're paying in taxes. You're not going to owe any of that tax for a month. Everybody was excited until they found out it was going to cost them $5,000 to manipulate everything just to file the return because it's so complex. But we were right on it. What we're also doing is not only helping the fleets and the truckers understand this, but we're actually bringing IFTA together saying, look, you need to look at what other states are doing that maybe you don't but they are because we need to work together as a team. Yeah, I, I, I admittedly resisted you at first with the idea that you just articulated. 
But the more I thought about it, I watch a lot of trucking podcasts, as do you. And no offense, a lot of them are talking heads, one or two, maybe three talking heads with one guest uh, as our (laughs) folks viewing us right now. But what I've really come around to believe is, and this is why I'm so enthusiastic about our podcast moving forward, although at times there's going to be a lot of heads and talking heads on the screen, this idea that you just articulated is going to be so cool, and that is bringing the top officials from federal government, Carmen and Rick, for example, as you mentioned, and we'll be bringing in a professional driver or two, or a permit service bureau staffer or Mm -hmm. two, and just watching the two of them go back and forth and have a discussion um, with us perhaps refereeing uh, at times. But those people, those drivers, those permit service bureaus uh, will be a representative of everybody else in the audience. Having that opportunity to share real life over the road permit service bureau experiences. It's going to be fascinating to watch, Tony. It is. And it's been fascinating to watch this over the last 32 years and the way it's changed. I mean, I can remember when we first started doing this, you had to to get your permits. You literally had to get a license plate for almost all the different states you traveled. So back then, back in the 80s and 90s, you look in the front of a truck, they could have eight or nine different plates on the front of that truck. You know, now there's only one apportion plate. They have found ways to simplify the processes, but within that piece, they really needed GPS. They really needed the satellite tracking pieces in here to do the validation and the balancing the checks. Technology with ELD providers, which we integrate today with over 65 of the ELD providers in the market, which is all the majors, are taking the GPS data from them pre-auditing the fuel tax as we build all the trips using that information so that when you go to file your returns, you're pretty confident that when that audit comes, which will, you're going to be okay in that audit. Why? Because I just ran the same data the auditors are going to run the same way. And so the audit should come back pretty much perfect. Uh, but again, the, the key here is to communicate with the jurisdictions back to us and back to these people like, like this holiday tax again. You know, nobody had any idea what was going to happen. If it was confused, the states were confused. And when you have to have your state, let's say Texas, here's an IFTA return that lists all the jurisdictions on it, and you got to put in all the data. But this New York decides to give you a discount. But this form isn't designed for that discount. So if you take the numbers away, it's not going to add up. The state rejects your IFTA return. Now you got to file an IFTA return amendment to correct it, where in reality, New York messed this all up. Why? Because New York didn't understand the impact. But by the time it was over, New York went, man, I wish we would have talked before I'd made my decision because we would have done something like a split tax rate. We would have done something similar that the jurisdictions have done in the past to move forward. But they had no idea who to even call. Uh, But the ironic part was they called us. They said, hey, you've got a lot of service bureaus and a lot of fleets you file for. You know, how do you how do you think this will impact your fleets? And when we opened their eyes to to the reality of how things really work, they didn't have time to change. So third quarter or second quarter of uh, this year was a was a, a mess. Third quarter was even a bigger mess. But I think we've learned. And I think, again, your IFTA community of not only the board members of IFTA, but we're on the industry side of IFTA on that board. So we bring both industry along with the government together to make some of these discussions to make sure that we don't have we're not blindsided like we've been over the years. And that everybody really understands the right outcome that we're all anxious to uh, get to. 
Unless anyone think that the Pro Miles podcast featuring Tony Strongcheck will have its head in the sand when it comes to diesel and such, when we bring Carmen and Rick on and other guests, Tony, they'll be well prepared to discuss their very latest thoughts and behind the scenes discussions as to the transition that we're all about to go into, and that is from fuel to electricity to hydrogen and such, correct? That is very correct. And the goal there is, is they need this uh, badly at IFTA. Uh, and we have been IFTA's major uh, event sponsor every year for as long as I can remember. We've been attending their conferences since the day they started having a conference. Um, we also have brought in a lot of the industry ELD providers uh, to present at their conference so that the IFTA and IRP community can actually understand what is a truck really look like on the inside? What does these devices look like? Because a lot of these jurisdictions, when GPS came around, they were scared. They didn't understand it. You know, these are these are mathematicians. These are these are accountant type people. Okay, they're not map people. So they didn't quite understand how this GPS really worked. They were scared that the industry was going to screw the government over. They're going to fake all this information. Uh, so trust me, trying to fake your GPS data can be done, but you got to be mm -hmm. pretty darn smart to do it. Uh, and you've got yeah. to also tie this back into the ELD device that does track your logs and your hours of service because the states are getting a lot smarter. So if you have a mile tax to file and you file an IFTA return as well, your IFTA says you went a thousand miles. Well, that mile tax better say you went a thousand miles. If it doesn't jive, boom, here comes an audit and they'll be right after you. And to your point, there's a lot of rhetoric going on out there, right? With regards to diesel and electricity and hydrogen and what's going to happen next. And to our point earlier with our podcast in the future, um, there's so much being said, so much hyperbole going on. What we're going to do, Tony, is bring the folks that are actually making those decisions with input from industry. Yep. We're going to bring them to the table so that hopefully they can very calmly and systematically and most importantly, accurately share with our audience what is and isn't happening in this transition that we're discussing, and more importantly, when it's going to happen. Yeah, I'll tell you, the, the biggest challenge in transportation is that communication, taking it from the very top to the bottom. Uh, it takes a lot of time, a lot of money, a, not, a lot of resources to educate folks. The difference now is due to you know things like this, these podcasts and these kind of uh, venues that they can attend it's given them the opportunity to speak their thoughts and listen to the industry from that side where most of the time they never, ever get that opportunity. And so I know we're excited about it, but I know the Federal, Federal Highway Administration, I know that the DOTs, IFT and IRP, I know our service bureaus, our permit services that we're dealing with, all these groups are very anxious to bring this all together so that every time they turn around, they can be watching or listening to our podcast and they're going to get the top updated news, what's happening, probably even before the newspapers get it, the publications get it or anything else, because we work directly with these guys at the government level to build new technology, to to lay out new regulations based on what we're doing and what our plans are in the future. The more that we can tie in GPS, the better this is going to be for everybody, because I think more accurately we'll calculate what your liabilities are. And you will be able to pre-audit this data before you even file. And then once it's filed, uh, the chance is, is that you may never get audited. Why? Because you're filing all your data to file that tax. They've got all the audit information right at hand at the moment of filing. And if we do this over the next few years, 
this is going to simply cause today less than 1% of IFTA, you know, issuers, people that actually have an IFTA license get audited every year, less than 1%. So that means there's 99% of the industry that's just running crazy out there and nobody knows if they're doing it right or wrong. Nobody. And so bringing transparency, bringing, you know, visibility to things and to educate the driver how their life's going to be affected in six months is important because he needs to change his agreements with his shippers and receivers to take in account the additional cost. It's going to cost him to do these things, just like ELD. ELD is a great thing. I'm glad they came out with it. I'm glad trucks have them in the in the truck now, but it was hard and it cost a lot of money. The number of fleets I've watched go from one ELD provider to the next, to the next, to the next, to find that next little shiny object to go to. But sometimes when you move, it's not a good move. You went to somebody not as good as the one you had. How do they know? Again, I want to bring the ELD providers on these calls. I want them to talk about where they're heading in the future. You know, people like Omnitrax, people like Trimble, people like WebTech Wireless. Um, there's tons of these groups. Keep trucking. All these groups out there all have their niches, always have, they have their own business design and focus, but there's so much more needs to be done. It's the communication from truck to truck so that we can actually know that if truck one down the road detects something, it notifies all the trucks behind them that, hey, you better slow down up here. Here's what's happening. That's where the government is trying to bring this to know everything. Because imagine, Stephen, autonomous vehicles. What's the DOT going to do, the enforcement? If in the middle of Dallas, there's a wreck, a bridge collapse, anything happens in Dallas and all those trucks and cars on that road must be detoured around to get away from it, right? If it's a truck that has nobody in it and you go bang on that door and you look, there's nobody in the truck, you can't tell them where to go. So somehow the DOTs need a way to communicate this back to those autonomous vehicle companies. To say, hey, Mr. ABC Trucking Company, you've got these three vehicles on this lane. Here's a new route they're going to need to take to best optimize to get you out of there as quick as possible and as safety as possible. But again, they're going to have to tell the fleet. The fleet then changes their system to tell this truck where to reroute. These are major challenges. This is what's slowing down autonomous right now. There's, we need a way to make sure where all this equipment is physically at. Because I guarantee you, a guy with five trucks isn't going to be able to route optimize around all this data without having an engineer. So let us and let the jurisdictions kind of help give you suggestions, suggest to the industry, here's better routes, or here's the things we recommend you doing. The other thing is, is there's major problems coming up. Hey, Mr. Driver, here's a truck stop you're about to come up to, and they still have X number of parking spaces. Those are the kind of things that's going to help keep our freight moved and allow autonomous vehicles to move very smoothly without causing interruptions or big shutdowns of all these major thoroughfares, all because the truck goes, I don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait. Tony, uh, ProMiles obviously is in the technology business, and you and I are so blessed. Every day, we're in conversations with a lot of these key decision makers we're talking about around the country, oftentimes collaborating with them. You and I and the, the rest of the ProMiles staff, which will be featured on our podcast, we're in the know. And I don't say that arrogantly. Uh, we're in the know because it's in our business to be in the know. And I can't wait over the coming weeks and months to begin sharing 
many of those things that we do become aware of, new technologies that are coming down the road. I can't wait to share those with the drivers and the permit bureaus and the dispatchers uh, who we're marketing this podcast to, the folks that don't have the time during the normal course of the week because you're so darn busy out there driving and dispatching and, and, and issuing permits. Um, we talk to these people, we interact with them, we go to these conferences, and I can't wait, Tony, to share that with our audience. I, I agree, Stephen. We've and it's so much easier now to do this than it was even, you know, five years ago. Technology's got better. The, you know, the automation of these permits that we've been able to do, taking them from, you know, almost no automation to about 75 to 80 percent automation permits, which means nobody touches it. Nobody at the DOT has to go look at any of this. It just brings in the data, processes it, and sends back out. Here's your permit. You're free to go. This was almost impossible. 10 years ago, you know, there was, there's very few, you know, few states and all that that could do this. The pro mile states could. And that's why we're winning more jurisdictions, RFPs, when they come out with this technology than anybody else, because we can literally route you. And some of this is very simple routing. You're going down the road, mm -hmm. you know, here's a structure in front of you that you're, you're too much weight. You can't go over this overpass. Well, what do you do? Well, you take the off ramp, take the next on ramp and you just pass, bypass that structure. Okay. Our system will try to save you as much distance as possible, but keep it a legal, you know, legit route. But at the same time, there's no need to do what the DOTs did years ago. We'll route you 200 miles out of the way just to miss this one structure. Not no more. We can automate these processes, but it has to have clean, good data. Garbage in, garbage out, bridge gets hit. And knock on wood, we don't hit bridges. Why? Because we make sure not only the jurisdiction has the right information, we validate it through other sources. And when you bring that together, we can go bring a jurisdiction information that they had no idea about their bridges. You know, it's amazing, you know, each one of these states that we get and how we incorporate and how we do things and how we now support and manage all the bridge analysis out there for Ashto, which is the associate of the DOTs. I mean, we're sitting there actually showing these guys how to build bridges. You know, what's the right way to structure this bridge? What's going to happen to this bridge if this kind of load goes over it? And we're building that analysis software. Uh, for Ashto, which 42 jurisdictions use today, just to rate the bridge, mm -hmm. if you can mm -hmm. take it or not. What we're trying to do is bring all this together for that, again, one driver, the guy with one truck, he's hauling oversized load, he's driving even legal load. Do you know, Stephen, that more legal loads hit bridges than oversized loads? Yeah, somebody wise probably told you that a few years ago. I think he did. And we won't give Dan, Dan all that. Yeah, we're not going to give Dan all the credit now. Uh, but the key is, well, it's, speaking. It's, it's very true. I mean, you got to think, Stephen. I mean, you know, what scares me more than anything is watching bridges collapse because people don't know that it hadn't been maintained. Watching Ooh. our infrastructure yeah. crumble in our hands. That's what scares me. But you know what? The Federal Highway Administration, the government has stepped up over the last several years They've in, invested a lot of money here. Even in this permitting system, the federal government gave grants to these states to go automate this, go make this better. You know why? Because when COVID hit, something really bad happened. Our government agencies shut their yeah. doors. So when they did this, Stephen, nobody could move. Nobody could, even the Department of Defense could not move during that time because certain states yeah. went home. They had no way to process. I, I lived through one of those experiences, and I'll tell the long version in a later podcast, Tony, but you remember the infamous Minnesota bridge collapse of yep. 10, 15 years ago. And I was at Illinois DOT at the time, and I can tell you, the day after that bridge collapsed, the world changed 
for yep. all 50 state DOTs. I mean, emails and new policies came flooding down, and I have never seen bridge offices, ours and IDOT and others across the country, make such dramatic, sweeping changes. So, yes, those bridge collapses, the infamous Skagit bridge collapse, which we'll talk about in, in future podcasts, those are life-changing moments that we hope we don't see too often. But to your point, Tony, yes, they lead to dramatic changes. Yeah, and they and they lead to cost increase because now you got a bridge that collapsed. Now all the freight has to move around that structure that can't go across it anymore. So sometimes that one structure is going to increase your cost by twenty percent just by having a route around it. So when you look at this, it all matters to all of us. Everybody gets affected in an accident. Okay, like a month or so ago, the accident they had here in Colorado, where the driver mm, uh, decided tragic. not to get a permit, and uh, that driver hit an overpass uh, with a um, uh, excavator. The excavator, you know, crumbled some of the concrete underneath the bridge. Another vehicle was going under it. The concrete fell, killed the lady, uh, and her son was right in the back seat. Ten-year-old boy, and had to watch this and live through this. Why? Because they just got through going to a, a water park, having a great time. But now he lost his mom that day. Why? Because somebody made the decision not to follow the rules. Somebody decided to cheat the system a little bit. And when this happens, yeah. people lose their lives. Now that bridge has to be rebuilt, restructured. Now it's going to cost the jurisdiction a lot of money. The driver is going to lose his ability to drive and possibly even go to jail. So it is very important to make sure that these drivers have the right information to make those right decisions. And that, Tony, I'm sad to say, is, is probably appropriate segue into telling what our next part two podcast of this initial Pro Miles inaugural podcast uh, will be about. And that is in part two, we're going to focus in on the truck accident lawyers that are out there. And I know that phrase alone brings a lot of different emotions <laughs> to, to, to many in our audience, and including me. But we're going to focus in on some truck accident lawyers' latest marketing efforts to truck accident victims. And of course, Tony and I and all of ProMiles, we are very sympathetic to anybody that has an accident, injury, loses their life. But what we're going to focus in on is the latest marketing by some truck accident lawyers, specifically in the specialized transportation world. That's right. They are marketing specifically to anybody that may have been involved in an incident involving an oversized load. And we'll explore that in depth um, in, in our next uh, particular podcast. But to wrap up this part one podcast initially, Tony, which is all about everything but oversized overweight loads, um, just share with our listeners again what your your goals and objectives are for the Pro Miles podcast going forward. Well, like I said earlier, Stephen, you know, it's just getting the word out, you know, and, and getting the industry to be able to speak their point and have the guys at the top at the government side listen, because they don't always get to listen to the driver. They don't always get to listen to all the fleets. You know, they're just here. They're listening to all of the political groups that the bigger fleets and the people that have money have helped fund or been part of or, or use them and the lobbyists to go push this stuff. But really, 90% of that market is, is by themselves out there. And, and if they understood what was happening, I think it will change their life because their life will change, like it or not, 
They just need to be prepared. And so my goal is to make sure that we bring accurate information to the industry that is really happening behind closed doors so they don't have to wait until it becomes law to finally speak their time. You know, they, they need to be able to, you know, talk about how it's going to affect each one of them. And our goal is to take this information and not only deliver it to the industry, but I want to deliver it back to the government. I would love for all of these government agencies to really take the time and listen more. Listen to how your changes you're going to implement will impact some of these guys. It may not change their mind, but it's going to put that one little thought in their head to make them go, hmm, maybe we ought to think about John Doe over here that's doing this that we never thought about before. It's because all those John Does, that's how we got fed during COVID. That's how we got you know our medicines, our mask, everything else. If it wasn't for these truckers, there would not be anything left in this country today. There's no way we could have survived. And even during COVID, when they're going state to state to state, truck stop to truck stop, and they're being exposed at the truck stop by somebody else with COVID, now you're out in the middle of California and you live in Texas, and now you're putting a hospital out there. How does all this work? How are you going to deal with this? Life has changed for us all, and it's going to continue to change. It's up to us to let the changes embrace, let the changes help us, not hurt us. Well, I am so looking forward to the journey with you, Mr. Strongcheck, the Pro Miles podcast featuring this cool cat, Tony Strongcheck. Thank you all for listening. Please encourage your friends and colleagues uh, to tune in and uh, hear Tony's unique perspective on the trucking industry and all the special guests we're going to have moving forward. So God bless you all and be safe out there. Yeah. And do me a favor, guys. Uh, if there's any thoughts that come to mind that you guys have, things you want to know about, things you want to hear more about, all you got to do is let us know. We'll do the research. We'll grab the right officials to get involved and we'll present. We are looking for feedback. We want to make sure that we're bringing you the best of the best. And if there's things we're missing, there's there's topics that you want to have discussed. You know, we're going to make it easy for you to go ahead and submit those uh, stuff to us. And we're going to do the best job we can. We're not you know, this is not what we do for a living. We write software, we route trucks. But my heart is in this, Stephen. I have, for 32 years, I believe in our transportation movement. Uh, and I believe that if we can take a step at a time and really listen to each other, this industry is going to be stronger than it ever has been before. Amen. We'll see you all down the road. Look forward to seeing you. All right. It's podcast at promiles.com, folks podcast at promiles.com. Yeah.